0: to this week's LaFeva CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website LaFevaCFC.com or our Facebook page www.facebook.com slash We hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, good evening everyone. Uh, you know I was in tears earlier because I've had a dream and a desire to actually speak in this church ever since I left in 2000. And I always believed that God somehow would bring me back to share something that was good about what happened here back in the early days. And Antoinette was there right at the beginning. I mean right at the beginning. There was a group of ragtag people. One of them was Gregor Brodie, uh, Sparky, as we used to call them. We used to meet in uh, Bill Osborne's house at uh, West no, no, uh, Grange, I think it was. And uh, the very first meeting that I had as a children's worker, uh, Bill had some cream cakes. And Sparky just grabbed a cream cake and shoved it in my face. And I, I was tough. I was hard. I wasn't sanctified. I wanted to punch him. I wanted to kick him. But I couldn't because Bill went, no. You know, like we train a dog. That's how Bill was training me. No. And then Carolyn was training our German Shepherd. dad's. No. And sit and all that. And so I said, okay. And Sparky's just thought it was hilarious. And I said to Bill, what did he do that for? He said, well, I think the Lord is trying to test you to see if you really love people. And I said, well, I don't love that, Bill. I don't like that at all. I said, I wanted to hit him. He said, well, I'm glad you didn't, because Auntie Norma wouldn't have been very happy, and neither would have all the other people. One week from that meeting, we were helping in a kids' club down at Taperoo in the primary school. And Carolyn and I had only been in Australia for less than six months, seven months, we had one night of work in that group and then Bill said to us at the end of the night, sat, sit down everybody, we sat down and Carol and I sat down and Bill said, these are your new leaders. And we just went, what? We, we don't have a clue about leadership. But talk about champions and championing, 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 how do you say that? Say it Ronald for me, championing, champion, Championing, Is that it? championing people Bill Osborne was a great one at that and so was Ray Betcher and so was David Smythe and so was Norm Reed and so was Alan Kleanthos and so was all the other pastors you always championed you were always given the encouragement to do the things that you yourself never thought that you could do I mean when we got off when we got onto an airplane in England that was my first ever time on an airplane I'd never been or seen a jumbo jet in my life. I'd seen them up in the air, but when I got on one, my goodness, I was scared. I said, How is this going to get off the ground? And we took off and it landed in Australia, 37 degrees at 6 a.m. in the morning on January the 3rd, 1986. And I thought, This is heaven. All the Englishmen say amen, all the Aussies say you're stupid. Within a week, I found a church. It was Elam, Elam Pentecostal Church just across the road down in Largs Bay Primary School. The pastor was uh, Eunice, Eunice's dad. Co- uh, what was their surname, Eunice? Uh, what? Powell, yeah, Pastor Powell. And we were there for six weeks. And I said to my wife, we need to find another church. Well, I don't like this church. Why is that? There was people running amok in the church. There was all sorts going on. And I went to the pastor and I said, look, we have to find another church. I'm sorry, we love the Eel and Pentecostal. We were saved in the Eel and Pentecostal, but we can't stay here because I've got a little girl, my wife and I, we get scared because there's people smoking cigarettes at the back and swearing. He said, that's my son. I went, what? (laughs) What? And the next week he did it, I jumped up. I said, if you don't sit down, I'll come out there and sort you out. And he sat down and the pastor, please stay, don't leave. And I said, no, I've got to leave. And then I found a church where they were meeting in a school again at Grange and we were linked up with a couple called Terry and Rhoda Delhanty who were the same age, similar age, similar age children and we became friends with them. Within six weeks, I was working, of that time, I was working at the Christian Family Centre laying the bricks on the church there. I'm a bricklayer by trade and I built pretty much most of the auditorium with other bricklayers and then we were still attending at the Grange Primary School. When the church moved into the actual building, Bill Osborne uh, was the children's pastor and our daughter went into the creche. We didn't know anyone and like today we were worried about our little girl and so Karen said you go and watch her I said yeah I will and uh, Bill said you can't just go in there you've got to join the team I said what team he said the team that looks after children there was no police checks in them days if there had have been they wouldn't have let me in to do the children's work and I know Tara said get him out of there but uh, but the, 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 the reality was I went in and Sarah Jane was playing with uh, some other little children and one of them bitter and she, they left a real big mark on her arm and uh, I, I grabbed the child off my daughter and I handed him to the other worker and I got my, she had a real bruise on her arm where he'd bitten her. Anyway, I was out in the foyer and the, one of the fathers had heard and, and George came up to me he said, what happened? And I said, oh, your little boy bit my little girl. And he said, you should have spanked him. I mean, imagine if that happened today. <laughs> You'd be arrested just for picking the kid up. And, and so he said no you should have given them a good, good hiding and I said no I couldn't do that it's not my child you, you do it <laughs> and he probably did anyway I went home and we were at home and uh, the, the telephone rang and it was past the bill he said Mick I'm sorry to let you know you've been stood down from wo- I'd only done one week he said you've been stood down from uh, working in the crash because uh, it was said that you made a child cry and I said well be a bit he said I know He said, but it's been said you've got to leave. I want you to come and work in the Sunday school with me. That's where I can watch you and train you. And that's where I met Sparky. Sparky was playing the guitar and singing the songs. They had song cards. I loved it. I just fell in love with that whole thing of watching kids enjoy themselves. And I just want to step back in time because when I was a kid, I had a horrible childhood. It was awful. I never knew what happiness was. I never knew what it was to have somebody love me. The way that I saw Jesus loving these kids, the way that I saw Pastor Bill loving them, putting his arm around them and saying it'll be all right, when kids were crying, kids were upset, and and all the workers that were there were doing the same thing. You can't do that now, but then you could. And I thought, man, this is what I want to be part of. I want to be part of this. I want to help kids who have a horrible life get a better life. And all the time, by the way, I will confess that I wasn't a great dad. And if any of my daughters watching or if it's online, I, I know that, that that's the truth. But the reality is I did the best I could with what I knew at that time. And I just knew that I wanted to be part of that, that whole scene of loving kids and helping them find their way in life where they would be loved and nurtured and built up and really encouraged to be the best they possibly could be because that never happened for me. I was desperate for that to happen. Anyway, within six, six or eight months after that, we started working at the Taparoo Kids Club and there we were with some of the roughest kids in the state, if not the country. Well, I can see one sitting at the back now. Now, I remember you, Dossie, and I remember you being such a lovely young lady. You were so, We loved you so much as a little girl. My wife and I prayed for you, and we would go home, and we, we would say, right, is there anything we can do for that family? Is there anything we can do to help them? We did as much as we possibly could to help every kid that we came across. The very first night we were there, we used to take kids from Taperoo, by the way, to Seton in the early days in cars. Sparky would fill a combi van with about 20 kids. Totally illegal. My ute had kids in, hanging out the windows. They were just out of control. If the police had pulled you over now, you'd definitely get, a re- like you'd get charged and you know, you lose your licence. But them days, they were great days. We took we took this these Carolyn and I drove them home with along with Sparky and others George Bendikoff, uh, Ray with they all helped everybody helped everybody was involved in reaching out to kids in the community and we took this little girl home <laughs> and we got outside of a house and it was dark it was raining. And she, we said, good night, and do you want us to see you? We made sure she got to the door. you didn't have to sign them in, sign them out. And she said, what would you know about living in a place like this? What would you know about what I'm going through? And we couldn't, we didn't answer. We just let her go. Let her get to the door, made sure she went in. We looked at each other, and we both wept. God had brought us back to the very place or the very type of place where we had been raised ourselves. We thought we had gotten away from that, but God had saved us. God had caused us to be born again, give our hearts to Him, and then to be brought 12,000 miles away to a strange place, to be placed in a church that was very similar to the church we were saved in, to help the people that were similar to the people we, we were. And God knew what he was doing before we even were born. The Bible says, I knew you as you were being formed. I knew you. I knew what you were going to be like. I knew how you were going to grow up. I knew that when I took you from there to there, you were going to be able to do some good wherever I put you because you fit You're not a square peg in a round hole. God has placed you where you are, no matter how old you are. No matter how uh, useless you might feel, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Faith is not about believing, and I trust that you hear me right, Ron, because I used to sing the song too, faith is like a muscle, use it and it will grow I think faith is just trusting in God Almighty himself. That's all faith is. Faith the, the faith in the dictionary says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The words are trust, belief and confidence. A strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. I do not know I did not see Jesus die on a cross. I did not actually, I wasn't there. Were you? <laughs> so I believe by faith. It's faith that I put my trust in God. That, that It's in a book. Yes, yeah, in the Bible. But I believe what's written in the Bible. I believe that Jesus died on a cross, as Ronald said, for me and for you and for every other person on planet Earth. I believe that if you put your trust in God, if you ask Jesus to come into your life, that by faith he saves you. Don't ask me how to explain that. I can't. If there's anyone that could really explain that, I know Alan could give it a good crack, but you can't. It's by faith. It's simple as that. You can't explain it other than say, well, you've just got to believe. Now, how do I believe? Okay, there are people in here with doctorates. There are people in here that will never get a doctorate, and I'm one of them. The Bible says that it, uh, it is not by our own inclination or our own thought. It's by faith, by trusting God at his word. And I do not and cannot stand here and say, I understand it all, because I don't. Hebrews 11 says, 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it is by this the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I can't even understand that. You can laugh because I think it's funny that I actually believe that what that says without even understanding it. You see, I once had a conversation with Sam Osborne. I said, "Sam, I don't even know why I believe." He said, well, "You don't have to. You just got to believe." I said, "That's good because that's all I do." <laughs> <sighs> hey, great! <laughs> I got one fan. I got one fan, and I haven't finished yet. Wait till I finish. Is that George? No. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, the only thing I ever wanted to do in my life was please my dad. All I ever wanted to do was for my dad to say, Well done, son. Good job. All my life growing up, I never did anything good enough. So my image of a dad was not a good image. My image of fatherhood was, Oh, you're going to get beaten up. You're going to get a clock So all I wanted to do when I became a Christian was please God. That's all I wanted to do. Just please him. And I said to the Lord, how do I please you? What do I do? And you know what? There's nothing you can do. You don't have to do anything to please God except believe and have trust in him and believe in the one who he sent. The Bible says just believe in me. Believe in the one he sent. And that's called having faith. Believe that he exists. And in that belief, in that faith, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We came down here and I, I was not ed- I'm i not educated, I'm not. But God placed in my wife and myself a deep love for the peninsula. So much so that I swore on oath, that I would never leave the peninsula. I would never stop praying for it. I would never stop believing that, no matter what happens, I will believe that this church that God has enabled me to help in and help establish will be successful. We'll see thousands. We'll see hundreds of thousands come to the Lord. And you think, how's that possible? Well, one soul gets saved. That soul goes on to save other souls, and it's a, it's a, um, it just builds and builds and builds. And you know that uh, how many. How many times you've got to double something to be a million, about 16 times or some ridiculously little amount. But I want to encourage people who have been here for a long time. A long, long time. I'm talking like 30 years. 30 years. You know what? I got a, a message on um, Messenger from somebody... James Zegarak. Yes. I didn't bring it either, but it basically read like this. Dear Pastor Mick, I want to let you know. Now let me tell you something about James. The last time I saw James was at the Christian Family Centre at Easter about 10 years ago. He brought his mum in his hotted up V8 supercharged car. After the service, he got his mum in the car and then started doing donuts in the car park. Like, I mean, full-on smoking it up. With his hand out the window, like, you know, the rude sign. And I walked over to the car, and I said, James, what are you doing? Ah, Pastor Mick, it was a wonderful service! And off he screeched down the road. And his mum's just shaking her head and telling him off, and I'm thinking oh Lord there's no hope for that boy but he rang me up messaged me he said I want to let you know something he said I've given my heart fully to Jesus Christ and this is true I am following the Lord in Sydney he's part of a group outreaching on the streets of Sydney telling people about Jesus and he attributes it to one night that we had as a group we had a band called E-Rock come to South Australia uh, Darren Keneally did it and I was the pastor in Lafever. we had over a thousand people in the Christian family it's totally illegal because you're not allowed to have a fire and stuff like that now you couldn't do it now but it was chock-a-block they sang some hippie hip-hop stuff and I'm thinking Lord if you can save anybody with that racket you can do anything I had no faith in that song, song singing whatsoever <laughs> hip hop rap it was and I kid you not I reckon 300 kids gave their hearts to Jesus that night on the Sunday don't ask me how it happened but Erock said to Darren have you got a slot for us on Sunday afternoon and Darren said yeah you can go down La Fever. Satan wouldn't have them as they were pretty wild and the place was wrecked after that Friday night so they came down here so they did the concert, but I advertised. I was the chaplain at the high school, I advertised the concert. All the kids from the school came. I'm not exaggerating. Three hundred kids jam packed into Taparu Primary School on the lawns outside. These blokes did that stuff that they do, you know, that whatever it is they do. And I kid you every single person. Uh, men, women, all young, all gave their hearts to Christ. Even I gave my heart to Jesus again. The, 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 the older call was so passionate, so real. And a little girl gave her heart to Jesus. James gave his heart to Christ, but he remembers being prayed for at that time. One girl gave her heart to Jesus on that night. Gave her heart to the Lord on the Saturday. Gave her heart to the Lord on the Sunday. They gave her some CDs as she walked across the train tracks. And this was their spiel. You don't know if you'll live after tonight. You don't know. You might get hit by a train or a bus or whatever. But if you do, then you, if you ask Jesus, then you're going to heaven and all that stuff. You know, the people say, that shouldn't be talked about. Well, guess what happened? She walked across the train tracks and a train hit her. But she'd given her heart to Jesus. And do you know what she said to me on the Saturday night coming home on the bus? Mick, I've never felt so alive in all my life. I feel like I'm loved and special and I've got something that nothing nothing can take that away, Mick. And the songs, I can hear the I can hear the message of Jesus in the song. I couldn't, but she could. And I thought, God, that's the beauty of you. You're multifaceted. You're multidimensional. You're like a kaleidoscope. I can't see everything in that kaleidoscope. But you are there. You spoke to that girl. You gave her life eternal. And now she's in heaven with you. I spent a week ministering to kids at the high school. We all did. All the chaplains from all over the state came. And we remember that like it was yesterday the importance of leading people to Jesus, the importance of life,
1: uh,
0: uh, everlasting life, asking Christ into their hearts. And James has done it, and he rings me up, and he says, this is what I'm doing, Pastor Mick. And I think, not now, James, I'm busy, I'm having my tea. But I'm so glad that he's doing that. Carolyn, you come and share a story about when we had the kids' club. Because I know you're starting a kids' club. I want Carolyn to be part of this, because they say, behind every man... There's a good woman. I think that's horrible. I want my wife to be beside me, beside us. You say that, that's a good way of looking at it. It's not behind. She's always been beside and always been supportive. But you tell the story of... Uh
1: um, when I was 11, um, I was very much in, into gymnastics. I was disciplined and competition gymnastics. This particular night, we went down to do our thing, and our teacher wasn't there. So my friend said, let's walk home, and on our way home, we passed a kids' club, AOG Kids' Club. So we went in, and it was horrible. There was shouting and screaming and singing and dancing, and lollies being thrown, and I thought, this is awful, I'm not coming back here. As we were leaving, there was a little old man at the door, and he said to me, would you like a book each month? I said, yeah, it's free. It's a Christian book, yeah. So every month, come rain or shine, this little old man delivered this book. On his bike, in the snow, and he delivered that for fif- uh, five years, till I was 15. When we immigrated to Australia, I didn't even realize, I forgot about her. Be- I got saved at 18, and just totally forgot about her, came over here, and we are running the kids' club down here, and there's three little girls, Sally, Stacy. And Belinda, and I said to Mick, "I've been to a kids' club. It just brought back memories. I've been to a kids' club. I remember a kids' club. I remember the words that were said." Quite a few years later, we went back to England, and Mick was asked to speak in an AOG church. And as we walked through the door, I said to him, "I've been in this church. I've been to a kids' club here." And in the back was a little old man, and I said to Mick that's Mr. Marlon. I know him. He used to deliver books to me. So Mick got him up and he said, can you stand up? So he stood up and he said, are you Mr. Marlon? He said, yes. And he said, I want to thank you for sowing seeds in my, my wife's life. She gave her heart because of you to Christ. And he said, can I say something? And he said, that morning, he'd said to his wife, I'm not going to do this anymore because I don't see the fruit from the seeds that I saw, and um, he says I'm still going to do it, and he still does it today. So that's my story. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we, um, when we started running the kids' club at the police academy, um, I needed help. I just had Emma, and. We were feeding lots and lots of kids, hundreds of kids. And this lady came along, and she brought a daughter called Sarah. And she said to me, can I give you a hand? And I said, yeah. Her name was Geordie and her husband's name was Paul. She was a big girl, really big girl. Like, I thought she was about seven foot. She had tats and scars, and she was quite frightening. But she helped me. And she said, would you like her to help me next week? And she said, yeah, I'll come along. So she came and helped me again. So I said to her, would you like to come to my house for tea tomorrow night? This big girl, this scary girl, burst into tears. And she says, we've never ever been invited to anybody's house for tea before. Sorry. Saturday night, she came to my house. The old family got saved. A week later, they were baptized in the swimming pool at the police academy kids clubs are worth it and I hope and pray that it goes well for you.
0: Good one Carolyn. Yes. <laughs> what a great guy to have in your church. Keeps you on your tours doesn't he? It's fantastic. Reminds me of the old days. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa um, I know that you're, you're going to lead the work here. Is that right, okay. Well I want to speak into your lives because there'll be times when you feel nothing is happening. There'll be times when you go home and you think, what on earth am I doing doing this? And when all my friends are out there doing all what their friends do, they you will say, I should be there with them. But I want to encourage you to stick at it. Plug away faith is not just building a muscle. Faith is being faithful. Faithful to the call that God has given you. Faithful to the call that's been given to this church. This church has been ordained by God to outreach to kids and young people and people on this peninsula. It's not an insular church. It should be an outreaching church. It should That's what should be happening. There was an old lady, I don't know if I said this before, I was telling... Uh, um, your mum, that um, she used to ring me up. Her name was Auntie Edna. Auntie Edna was here in the 1960s when the CRC had a church on this peninsula. They, they, they converted a truck and put a band on the back of the truck. And the truck would pull up on a Sunday morning at Taparoo Primary School Field and they would start playing Christian songs. And she told me that over 300 kids came to that truck, drawn to it. And she said, they not only came, but they got saved and their parents got saved and things like this were happening all over the country at the time. And when that church moved away and when that church died, she was so upset she began to pray. And when she heard that we were starting a kids club, she rang me up. I have been praying for... 30 years 30 years she said now I've heard that you are starting I'm going to pray for you What is she knew my name because my friend told her and she said I'm praying for you and she heard a whisper that we'd shut it down well she rang and tore strips off me she said how dare you and this is the scripture she said remember the things you did at first remember your first love you know, I want your faith to, and your, your, your outworking of your faith to be red hot, not, not lukewarm. He said, you know what Jesus will do to the lukewarm people, don't you? I said, no, what? She said, Just will spew you out. And I went, oh, okay. I said, we better not shut the kids club down then, had we? And so I tried to make sure that we always had a kids work happening. God will honour it. It's a calling. We weren't just placed here by Pastor Bill or God. Ordains ministry. God ordains the ministry to promote the work of the ministry. My job is to encourage people to do the work of the ministry, and that's what you're going to do. When you start, you see every person that walks through the door as a possible minister of the gospel. Every child that comes to church, every human being that walks in has the potential to preach the gospel to someone somewhere. Everybody. You sitting in in these chairs are ministers of the gospel. If you feel, nah, we've got no, No, I'm just coming along. No, you're not. My teacher, my mentor said, when I preach, you pray. And when you preach, I'll pray. One night, Pastor Bill Vasilakis came down to the Lefevre Peninsula. And uh, he came with his jeans and his leather jacket on, all hip and ready to preach the gospel. And I thought, that's wonderful. He's dressed the part. In those days, Bill never wore jeans or a leather jacket, but he did on this night. And a lady had said, I'm going to invite my nephew, but I want you to talk to him first. I said, okay. So I met with him on the Sunday afternoon. Well, he gave me a mouthful about how he was coming to support his auntie. And if anybody tried to get him into the church, they'd better watch out because he'll give it to them. And I thought, well, this will be interesting because Bill was a boxer at some stage and he's always said I was pretty good and this fellow was going to belt Bill if he preached the gospel. I knew the gospel was going to be preached so I thought I'd better pray. (laughs) He walked in with his footy shorts and his singlet, muscles on muscles, sat down about three or four rows back. Bill preached the gospel. I tell you, the spirit of God moved because the first person down the front Was the fellow that said he was not going to go down the front. He went on, this is not a lie, this is the absolute truth. I'm not preaching, I'm telling the truth. He went on to be an elder in a church in Golden Grove and is still serving the Lord today. The very man that said he would never serve, never come to church, never give his heart to Jesus, gave his heart to Christ. That was in the church. So you, as you sit here, pray like crazy. For those who you want to be saved, pray like crazy for those who are out there and don't know Jesus. And keep praying. And even now, if you know how to pray in the Spirit, be praying in the Spirit. Because in about two minutes' time, I'm going to give the gospel message and call for somebody to give their hearts to Jesus. And I'm not just going to do that, because when I was sat there earlier, I felt myself in a state of repentance. And you might think, why do you need to repent? Oh, I need to repent every five minutes. I need to repent every day. I need to come to God and say, God, I am sorry for the way I have treated you. I am sorry for the way I have treated your church. I am sorry for the way I treat the people in your church, your precious people, not my people. I'm sorry, God, that I do not think the right way about things. I come to you humbly and open my heart and say, God, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my attitude. Help me. I don't think about you when I'm praying and praising God. I think about God and my relationship with God. Because there's only one person in this room that can make sure that they're sure, that they're sure, that they're sure that they're going to go to be with Jesus, and that's you. Only you. It's between you and God. Your mom can't do it. Your dad can't do it. Your, your wife can't do it. Your husband, it's got to be you. Now, so I'm going to ask the simple question is, are you sure? Are you absolutely certain without a shadow of a doubt? And Ronald, this is where faith is. Nothing of yourself. It's all of God. Because God gives that assurance. Not Mick. Not me. I cannot give myself assurance. It must come from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Last night, as I was thinking, I was scared, witless to come here. But God said, Michael, you're mine. You'll be fine. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. You're my boy. I'm pleased with you. I even felt God say, he's proud of me. I didn't ever hear that. But guess what? My dad rings me now. Son, I'm so proud of you. He does, because he gave his heart to Jesus. Son, I want when you come home to England, I want you to go for a walk with me, and we'll just walk together, me, you, and the Lord. Oh, come on, that's beautiful. From a man that would never praise me, that's what God does. He transforms families. He transforms hearts. He makes it so that life is worth living. He makes it so that you can be happy wherever you are. I'm going to ask you, have you asked Christ into your life? Have you said, God, have your way in my heart. Help me to be the best person you want me to be, not anyone else. I want to live for you, God. Not for my wife, not for my husband, not for my family, for you. And when you do that, God says, I will equip you. I will anoint you.